Welcome to The Crossing Online. We're so glad that you've joined us. All throughout the service, you're going to see a bar across the bottom that shows you how you can stay connected with us here at The Crossing. If you're having a tough time and you need somebody to pray with you, or if you need help of any kind, you can text I need help to 31996 and someone from our care team will reach out to you soon to see how we can help. If you give your life to the Lord today, you can text I said yes to that same number, 31996. We would love to send you a gift to help you get started on this journey with Christ. You can keep up with our kids' ministry or with our student ministry by texting the keywords that you see at the bottom of the screen later. And we encourage you to do this because we want to walk through life with you. Well, again, we are so glad that you've joined us at The Crossing Online. Let's get ready to worship. Church, even though we can't be together in the sanctuary this morning, we can still worship together. Sing this out. I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. signs and wonders I have resurrection power yes I do but the miracle that I just can't get over my name is registered in heaven yes my praise belongs to you forever sing it out this is my testimony from death to life his grace rewrote my story, I'll testify By Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified This is my testimony, this is my testimony Come together sons and daughters Things are still to come. Oh, I believe 
tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know Oh, I won't be shaken I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I Stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I Resurrection power 
Come on, sing that with me. You can have it all, Lord. Every part. Every part of my world. Take this life. Take this life and breathe on this heart that is now yours. Oh, the joy I found surrendering my crowns at the feet of the King who surrendered everything and all the peace that comes when I'm broken and undone by your surrender. We give our lives to him. Come on, in your own way, rededicate your life to him. God, you can have it all. It's all yours, Jesus. Oh, we give it all to you.
every part, every part of my world. Take this life and breathe on this heart that is now yours. Oh, Good morning and welcome to The Crossing Online. And happy Mother's Day. We're so glad you've joined us. We believe that freedom is found when we're connected in life-giving community, whether it be online or in person. If you like being connected with people, you should lead a life group this summer. To find out more information about our life groups, and the leader registration link, go to our website. We've been praying for you nonstop, and we know this time can be challenging. If you need prayer or help of any kind, text I need help to 31996. If you give your life to Jesus, first we wanna say, we're so proud of you, and that's the best decision you could ever make. Text I said yes to the same number, 31996, so that we can give you some resources to help start your life with Christ. You can keep up with what's going on at The Crossing by liking us on Facebook, following us on Instagram, and subscribing to our YouTube channel. I'm Thomas, and please help me in welcoming our senior pastor, Pastor Andy. Thank you so much. Um, well, good morning. I want to make sure that's on. Good morning to you, and uh, you notice that we're in a little different setting than normal. And uh, so first of all, to all you moms out there, I want to say just a happy, happy Mother's Day. And uh, yeah, we want to honor all the moms. And uh, I tell you, before we get into the, to Mother's Day things, I know one of the things that still is on your mind when we come to you, and I think this is seven or eight, I can't remember how many we've done now in uh, our isolation booth here, the crossing here, our Isle of Patmos, but uh, it, is, it is quickly coming to an end, and I do want you to know that we and our leadership, we have picked a tentative date that we believe is going to be a time to open, and I'm going to get clearer on those details with you in, in the, this week and particularly next week. I think next week may be our two-week warning uh, so that you know, but I, I need to put some, a few things together. But we, I know some of you are anxious to get back, and some of you are never coming back because uh, until you get a vaccine. Uh, but uh, there's a whole bunch of folks somewhere in between there, and uh, we've still got a few details to work out about how to get people in here and still comply with all of the uh, requirements that are given us by the governor and, and all of that. So we're working all that out, but it's coming soon, and I, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, so we're going to be communicating more about that. But today is Mother's Day, and um, I thought and we thought we actually had a different plan toward the first of the year that Stacy might just be up here with a couple of other mothers and interview, and of course everything has changed. And uh, I thought, well, what do I know about being a mother? I'm not a mother, I'm a dad. So uh, I, I wanted to bring, I think, the person that's been, the, in fact, I know has been the most influential woman in our church for the last 20 years, the existence of our church, both directly in the way she's built women's ministry, 
And uh, the way the women's ministry, by the way, I just want to give great shout out. We've got, we've got outreach that goes from a lot of different places, but our women's ministry isn't just in-house. It's very, I was about to say outhouse, that'd be, that's not what I mean. Uh, but it's very external. It reaches out and uh, they're doing so much. And Stacy Harvey's had so much to do with that, both directly but indirectly, obviously being my wife and uh, having a whole lot of influence there. And so uh, anyway, I, I don't know of anybody that's, that's had more influence and, and blessed our church as much. Pastor Glenn King would call her the first lady. And uh, I mean, okay, so our, our nation has a, a pretty first lady, but not nearly as pretty as our first lady. So uh, would you honor Stacy Harvey, my precious wife? Thank you. I want to meet this lady he's talking about. That's pretty good. It's a pretty tall order there. Well, hey, well, go ahead and greet the ladies and let them know happy. Okay. Yeah, go. Here you I got go. it. Um, I want to say happy Mother's Day to all my girls out there and all you moms and um, my spiritual mothers out there. You know who you are, Miss Peggy, my own mother, Sandra. Um, I want to say happy uh, Mother's Day to the moms who work in and outside the home as well because it's a tough job either way. That is. So... Happy day for you. Well, um, I, what I thought we would do is just have a, just a conversation. I've been preaching out of Isaiah, the prophet, just really honestly looking at the times we're in, and it's been good, I think. But, uh, uh, but I, I did think it, would, it might be a good opportunity for us to kind of take a step back, take a deep breath, and uh, just have a conversation between my, my precious wife. This is my my tennis buddy, my eating buddy, my go-to-movies buddy, my, my wife buddy, my, my buddy. So, uh, and, and we've had some times of social distancing as well. Yes, we have. Uh, over 30 One some odd years. One this week. Uh, <laughs> that'd be correct. And six feet was too close. But uh, all, of, all married couples, you know that if you've That's been married. That's what couches are for. <laughs> Is this couple Sunday or Mother's Day Sunday? <laughs> All right. We could go either way. All right. Because those do kind of work together. Yes. So, uh, and, and what you're going to notice here in this couple is like, like many, many of you uh, are uh, opposites attract. And uh, so the way my mind works and goes is almost different than hers. And uh, so this is going to be a lot of fun because we've actually never done this like this. We've interviewed other people up here, but... Uh, you know, hopefully we won't be social distancing this We're afternoon. We're scared. Oh. <laughs> it is tough when your husband and your pastor is as awesome as my husband is because he does such a great job, and it's a little intimidating being up here. I'll be honest with oh, you, brother. but what I do know is what it's like to be a mom, and I am that. I'm the mother of three very strong, beautiful, wonderful Goodness. young men from age 30. 27 and 22, I think. Yeah, we got three of them. That's all I know. There's three. Excuse me. We do have three, and they're wonderful men. And uh, they have also brought me two daughters, which has been a change in our family dynamic and has been fantastic. So now I have five children. I consider them my daughters, no different. And I have a grandson on the way, and a granddaughter. And a grand dog. We have a grand dog, oh, Marlo. Yes, we have a little grand dog. I thought he said granddaughter too, and I was like, oh, no. twins. <laughs> yes. 
for Paige. Surprise. Yes. Happy, Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Well, so we, we were going to, uh, we've been, we've been, well, I say we, she, she has been the mother of, of little ones. We've got some of our staff here that are, that are raising little ones. We get that. Uh, we've raised teenagers, which, uh, you know, causes all kinds of counseling issues and drug abuse, not them, us, uh, when you raise uh, teens. We've done that. And we've also, now we're learning how to, to be the parents, and it's very different of adult kids. And so we're going to kind of, I'm just going to kind of watch the clock and, and uh, we've got sort of a plan, but we're just going to, just going to kick the football and see how this goes. And uh, Which so is more my style. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. very organized. Yeah. I'm more, let's get a grocery like, list and stick it. to the list. And she's more like, Hey, look at the cheese. Whoa, look at the cereal. <laughs> and so it, it kind of goes that way. But uh, so let, let me just tell you how we got, how we got started with children and uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll let you know. So I was I was 25, and you were how old were we when we got married? 21. 21. Yeah, she was a baby, and I was 25. But we were footloose, fancy free. We had been married a year, and just absolutely kids. We didn't even see ourselves as old enough to have children. And uh, we had all of our we had couple friends, Orlando and Kim, and Boyd and Kim. So and they had kids, and we were kind of like the cool young couple that didn't have to get babysitting when we went out with them. And, it, and we liked it. And um, so we were a year and maybe a month into our marriage. And uh, we went to a fajita dinner. I'll never forget this. Uh, it changed our lives forever. Uh, and it was with all of our friends uh, that were, we were in a band. And anyway, we went, we went to this house and the home we actually went to were friends of ours uh, that... Uh, they were, they must, I think they had 14 kids in two years or something. They were like baby having, they were a baby having family. Now, not really, but uh, they were kind of, everything was all natural and there's nothing wrong with, I'm not judging it. I'm just saying, you know, she would have them right there in the house and say, we've had another one, come get him. And uh, they were, they were, they were child producing family. And, uh, and we were just so, let's go eat, let's order pizza, let's do what we want to do. We were just loving our, our little world. So we go over, all the ladies were in the kitchen, all the guys were messing around, whatever, and uh, I get word, it somehow trickles back, I think through the husband, that says, um, your wife's having symptoms and some of the wives are thinking that she might be pregnant. And I, I can't even tell you how, I was like, that, that, first of all, we're not even old enough to be parents. So, I mean, I didn't, I didn't take it serious. I thought, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And uh, they're all in there chatting it up, and I'm back there. And, and they said, well, we're going to go, we're going to go get a test. And I was like, before, before dinner, we should have waited. But bef- so, <laughs> just tell me. Uh, uh, so, they go, and we're still horsing around. I'm telling you, to think of ourselves as parents was like, it's just, no. We're the footloose, fancy free couple. We're, that's not us. We had a five-year plan. Yeah, we, like, like many of you. <laughs> and uh, you gotta have a plan. You don't have to keep it. But so they, they come back with this and I, we're not even thinking about it. We're still horsing around. And I think, it was, I think you came and got me and we went into a guest, yeah, someplace where this test was and it had been tested and it said, I can't remember, I think it, 
whatever it said. You are pregnant. <laughs> That's yeah. what it said. We're, we're like, this isn't even possible. And I even accused her. I said, you did it wrong. <laughs> and she described how you do it. And it's, anyway, you can't hardly mess that up. But I, I could not, I, we, we literally, I stopped talking. For, he, he did not talk for probably three days. Yeah. And I was in shock and fear and because I thought I, all I could think about was labor. You know, I couldn't think about the joy of motherhood. I was afraid because I was 21 years old and I thought, I'm too young. You know, it just really took us off guard, I think. So, so some of you could, can relate to this. Uh, we were so unprepared and we felt unprepared. And uh, you think it would change. You know, you get nine months to figure this out. You don't figure nothing out in nine months, especially on the first one. And uh, so we stayed in this state of shock oh, till, pretty much till this last week, till I moved out. Uh, but no, we were definitely in a, in a state of shock. And, I, and I, what we felt, we were talking about this, is that there's probably a whole lot of whole lot of moms, and we've had enough interaction now over our years of working with people. There's a whole lot of moms that live feeling like, I don't know what to do. I'm missing something. I'm horribly unprepared. So, Stacey, what was that like for you, and what what advice would you have for our moms that are in that that state? My goodness, um, we felt unprepared. Even though I had a wonderful mother uh, growing up, and I still do, um, I felt very, very unprepared. That's really an understatement. Um, even things, I was embarrassed because once my son Tyler did come 30 years ago, it's so hard to believe, it seems like yesterday, um, even when he did come, I would kind of idealize other mothers and what they would do during the day. And I thought that everybody had this perfectly clean house. They knew what to do. Some days I didn't even know what to do with my child. He was a crier. He cried a lot. He screamed a lot. I mean, just really, really had colic and other issues. And that wasn't in the fantasy of having children. I didn't know what to do. And I thought, what have I done wrong? And I've realized over the years, and it's one of my favorite memes that I've shared it and I've shared it with a lot of moms is that you're not doing it wrong. It's just this hard. Uh, motherhood is hard. And I think in our society, we believe a lot. If it isn't easy, it's not God. Or if it isn't easy, you're doing it wrong. Some things are hard. And Creating a life, raising a child with the values you want, it is hard. You know, we enjoyed it, but I've said this to many people. I don't even know if I've told Tyler this, our oldest son, but I feel like he and I grew up together, my firstborn, because I felt so ill-equipped. I... He was smarter than me in a lot of ways, and he was very sharp, and he could think on his feet. He's this brilliant man and he was a brilliant child and it was very difficult having a everyone thinks their kids are gifted but he really was especially the firstborn you know and I had these this ideal that if I had all the right rules all the right uh 
advice, all the right punishment, care, you know, when grounding, all these other things, that he would do things exactly right. And it took me longer than it took him to realize that you can't control someone. Your, my role was to actually help him become what God wanted him to become. And I'm seeing that more every day. Yeah. And I'm glad, but it was very scary. Uh, you know, we were interacting with, we've interacted with a lot of, of parents and moms. And uh, I, I, I don't, my mother, my own mother asked me yesterday, we were doing her Mother's Day. And uh, she said, well, do you think uh, Brady and Paige, my, my baby boy and uh, my precious, one of my perfect daughter-in-laws, going to bring us a grandchild? And uh, do, you think they're, do you think they're prepared? She asked that question. Do you think they're prepared to have, have this baby? I said, absolutely not. I don't think anybody's prepared. Have it. What do you mean? You know, when you start thinking, through what is prepared? It's kind of like, uh, I was thinking, you know, if you have great friends that are great swimmers, and they tell you about what swimming's like, and then you read all books on buoyancy and swimming, but you've never been in the water, you don't have a clue. And until you get thrown in over your head and have to figure out where the oxygen is, you don't know what you're doing. And uh, honestly, and I, and I wanna encourage, and I'm, I'm not a mom, but I'm, I'm a dad, and I've watched a great one go through the pain of, of mothering. Every one of these creatures, I mean, you can get a book, you can get Gary Smalley and all that, and, it's, and I, I encourage it. Get all the education you can, but you're gonna get a school of on-the-job training on your first one especially. And I gotta tell you, Tyler's just the most precious, powerful young man. We love him to pieces. He gave us a run for our money, though. And um, he was something else. And uh, boy, with the other two, we're like, hey, they'll, you know, they're in jail. Worn down. <laughs> yeah, we're like uh, in jail for three days. You'll be, you'll be okay. But after, I mean, Tyler was, he gave us a run for our money, and we never. I remember one time coming home. This was now when he got when he got into the teenage years, and uh, it wasn't unusual for her to meet me outside and say, "Now before you go in," is one, you know what I'm saying. And uh, I remember- I to prepare him for a lot of surprises. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And Tyler, you're precious. And I, we just appreciate the school you put us through. Yes. But, uh, but she said, your son has dyed his hair blue. This is before that was a thing. And Tyler didn't have, anyway, uh, that was just, that was the, the most mild of the now before you go ins that I got. I'll just tell you that. But anyway, uh, Tyler, Tyler was- uh, gave us a little bit of a run for our money through the high school years, but precious, great kid, love him to pieces, love all of our sons. Uh, what I wanna, what I wanna kind of conclude this this part is first of all, just so that you hear. Uh, I think some of the most comfort anybody can hear sometimes is what uh, Pastor Stacy, Pastor Baby Doll, uh, uh, said to you. Was uh, it, 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 you know you're not doing it wrong. Everybody feels as unprepared, and pretty much in every stage, in every stage, that's, that's a pretty common feeling that, you know, am I doing it wrong? You know, one of the things that we didn't quite have to deal with, like a lot of our young moms do today, we didn't have all the social media stuff with, uh, with kids dressing perfect, and thank God, because, you know, we just throw them in whatever we could. I mean, we made them look good for church. But, you know, I, I don't, uh, honestly, all you moms that are out there fighting with Pinterest and all the idealization of motherhood and all these kids in these pictures that just look wonderful and beautiful. Um, I can tell you, when I was growing up, we didn't have any of that. I wore the same pair of jeans every day, loved it, and my mother really didn't care until we, we got to church. 
So uh, for all you moms out there competing, I, I, I wanna say this, and uh, just if you'll just, just take this to heart, what God's called you to do, he's graced you to do. And nobody else has been called to your child. And everything you need to raise that child, you have it. So some of it's uncovering, but God's given you what you're gonna need. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Here's Jeremiah 1, 4 through 8. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. I, Jeremiah speaking, says, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a youth. The Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to, to whom I send you. And whatever I command you to do, you shall speak. And what that scripture is simply saying is Jeremiah was saying, God, I don't feel what you say about me. I don't feel like a prophet. And he, he, he was saying, don't let your feelings determine what's really in you. I've put it in you. You're not gonna feel it all the time. But listen, you're the most perfect mother for that child. And feeling unprepared, and, and for all you dads out there going, but what about us? Yeah, same thing. Feeling unprepared, is, is, that's the right feeling. You're doing just fine, all right? So be encouraged. All I right. think, just to interject here, I think also during the times we're gonna go through kind of three phases of yeah. kids before we won't stay on just small children. But I think I was reading my devotional the other day and I wrote it down to share because I thought that the, I longed for the absence of problems. I thought, if I could just get it right, I could just get it right. And that chase never ended. And I stayed in a constant uproar of dis-peace, and I didn't have peace until I figured out. Everyone told me, but it seemed just too simple, I guess, was the best equipping I needed was living in God's presence because I had to remember God was never going to let go of my hand that he was by my side, and I knew I could trust him because he overcame the world, so surely he can overcome my toddlers and or help me overcome them. They were pretty swift. But the longing for the absence of problems, thinking that is peace, is such deception yeah. for moms. And when, if I would have had Pinterest, it probably would have helped me in some ways, but it would have been a constant nagging on me of perfectionism that was impossible to attain that I needed to attain in order to have peace. I can look at it and say, well, that's not real. And I know it's not real, but it still affects me in my head and my spirit. And I was reading in Isaiah 41, 13, and it said, for the, for I, the Lord, your God will hold your right hand and say to you, fear not, I will help you. And my regret looking back as a parent is not that we would have been able to provide more or do more or do more activities. It actually would have been that my mind would have done less, that I would have focused on God's presence and not seen that as a menial. I didn't view it as a menial thing, but had I viewed it as an important thing, my outcome would have been better because I would have been focusing on the peace of God. And you know, of course, I might get wound up here a little. Sure. So let me keep going right with this thought. Go, baby doll. But um, I think of the scripture, I can't help but think of it in Mark 5, 41. And my husband did a sermon about this, about the little girl that had died. I know, because I know a lot of moms with kids in every age and moms 
who are spiritual mothers but have not been blessed or graced with children of their own. And that is a huge pain to do that. But I want to tell you, just like the little girl, because inside of us there's still this little girl that needs affirmation somewhere that you're a good mom, you've done a good job. And if I chase that, it's never-ending. It's That's a never-ending run. But that little girl was dead. She had no life and no future. And our Jesus in Mark 5.41 grabbed her hand and said, baby girl, get up. And I want to tell you, regardless of the age group that your children are in or the children you long to have, Jesus is the only one. My husband can encourage me. My mother can encourage me. Women around me can encourage me. But till I am satisfied, not with what the world offers, but I'm satisfied with the thought that Jesus can take my hand and say, Stacy, get up. You're going to come back to life. You can do this. And I know, girls, you can do it. You're doing a great job, and you can do it. But the deception of busyness, it helped me avoid a lot of things. I felt like if I was busy, I was being a good mother. I look back, and I wish I would have laughed more. I wouldn't have been made big deals out of little deals. I still have to do that. Um, that I would have laughed at a few more things that my kids did. And the more I had, the better I got. We should have had like 10 and I would have been perfect yeah. by then. Yeah, I would have been perfect by then because by the time it got to my third son, I was yeah. realizing, even with Dallas, I was realizing the things that I made a big deal. And I said, really, Stacy, you only need about two non-negotiables or three. And other than that, don't focus on the outward of your children. I know with Tyler, you know, the oldest, the poor firstborn, you know, they have, they're the guinea pig in a lot of ways. But I thought if I had the perfect rules, I could manage him in a way that I was able to, honestly, till he was about three. He was just so, he was a very bright, very gifted child, says the mother, but he really is, said the school too. So I had, but he was just a very bright child. And I thought with the perfect rules, if he conformed outwardly, I don't want you to miss this, mothers. We can focus so hard on the outward um, lining up of our children yeah. and getting them in order that we miss the inside, the person, the soul that they are. And my son was struggling at a young age with big things. And yeah. it, I let the outward I'm forgetting the word, but lining up his outward look, behavior. If he did everything right, had the little preppy haircut, the perfect school, Christian school uniform on, that I could manage him in that way because he was not transforming. He was just conforming to what I needed him to do. And there's an age for that. But I miss some of the heart issues of my children focusing on the outward all the time. Abide by the rules. Do this, do this, do this. And if they were doing it, I was happy. If they weren't doing it, I wasn't happy. And God was wanting me to stay in his presence where I could find joy, find joy in his word, and find other women that could affirm me. And he, I don't know if we're there yet, but who could lead me so to that? So why don't we? Let's, um, so what I thought would, would be a good 
good thing to, to look at is where do you, you talked earlier about the affirmation starving. That's, that's something that's at the core of all of us. We're, we're starving and fighting for whatever available affirmation there is. That's why social media is, it's, uh, there's, there's a kind of a false drug addiction to it because if you put a picture up and you get likes, you go, that felt pretty good. But then the next time, if you don't get likes, you go, what's, well, what's wrong with that? We, we're looking to places to try to get affirmation. And uh, this starvation, as, as a mom, you're always trying to figure out, am I doing it right? Is this, is it, was that right? And you're looking to, trying to find the right sources. And uh, there's probably lots of good sources. There's probably some good sources on social media. media. But uh, there are two things I wanted us to focus on so that where I know you can go, I know you can go to these two wells and drink from and get some good wisdom. And we talked about it, and you just started talking about it. Really, uh, it's, it's more important that you learn how to feed yourself while you're learning to feed your child, that you learn how to feed and take care of yourself and where to go for that. And, uh, and you just started talking about it. It's by you feeding on the word of God. It's by you learning how to get quiet time. And I realized as a, when you're the mother of little ones, there's very little quiet time. You gotta get it in little, little bits and pieces. Why don't you talk about that? You just had a table talk and you well, kind of talked um, about quiet time. I had and- asked Holly Young. She's a young mother in our church and she has um, shared with our ladies on our live. I think it's still on the Crossing Women uh, Facebook group, the video. It's a great resource. I just said, Holly, share. How do you get in the word of God as a young mother? Don't bypass this, ladies. I cannot tell you enough. It seems daunting. And well, you don't know. I have four or five kids. I'm busy. I'm busy. Holly was talking about getting it on the go, how she didn't pressure and punish herself and go through condemnation because she couldn't sit down from six to seven and have a proper quiet time, all these things. She said, I get it on the go. And she gave us tools. I learned things from her. We can glean from one another. I know that for me, I had peer-to-peer affirmation. I didn't have it the way it seems like girls have it now. I didn't have that many close friends, but I had peer-to-peer a lot with my sister. At the time, our children were 11 days apart. We had our kids very close together, and she helped me. She was a little further along than I was, and I had a peer-to-peer affirmation with my sister, but I also had a midwife, because if I get going on this midwife, we could be here a while, but... I had a woman, Sandra Young, and Frank, her husband, that kind of adopted me and my son. They adopted um, adopted Randy. We didn't know we needed them. We don't know why they adopted us. We actually connected through a loss of a child that they had suffered. And their child today would be the age of my son now. And Sandra had lost a child and became, we feel like spiritually in some way attached to us and our child. And she came alongside me. I've had women come to me and say, I need a mentor. I need a mentor. That word really scared me a lot because I felt like I was really going to let them down or that it was, I had to sit down with a book and go through a teaching from a real rabbi kind of way. And it wasn't what Sandra did with me is She allowed me in her life, and I just observed her, and I observed what she did, and I went, wow, 
That's how I want my children to love me. That's how I want to speak to my children in that tone. I mean, I just admired so many things she did. And now that I'm, you know, in my 50s, Sandra is more like a sister to me. It's just interesting. And we both have adult children. And now we're talking on a different level. But she came alongside me the way a midwife, I didn't use a midwife, but I love the spiritual context of a midwife, where midwives come alongside women and they affirm them and dignify them with courage to do what they're made to do. This is going to be hard. This is going to hurt, but you can do it. You're made for this, ladies, and God has called you to be a mother. We're so hard on ourselves. And I needed women to to be calm and to say, it's okay. You've got this, Stacey. You've got it. And for my sister to say, you're a great mother. How do you have three boys? My gosh, it's so hard. And I loved it. It's what I knew, and I loved being a boy mom, and I still do. But I was so thankful for women just like Jesus who took me by the hand and said, Baby girl, get up. You've got this. You can do it. We never sat down and had a formal teaching. They just loved me. And they didn't panic when I was panicked. They didn't come into my drama. They just said, it's going to be okay. They're going to be okay. They helped me blow off little things. You know, I remember getting a call from the school. You know, your son was talking in class. And I just, oh, I thought it was the end of the world, you know. And... Just little things that I made big things of that weren't big things. And some of them we realized later were more image. We were concerned what people would think about us. How can you, you know, be such a bad parent and your child just punch my child in the face or something, you know, and realizing what things weren't, you know, I had one that was a little more, you know, challenging for us. And then I had the dream child, like when Dallas was younger and Tyler too, people would say, oh my gosh, your son's so talented. But I remember when Dallas was young, parents would come up to me in the football stadium and say, you must be such a great mother. He's just this amazing man. And he's just such a wonderful role model at school and public school and all this stuff. And this went on and on and on for years. And I finally just said, look, I'm not going to take blame or credit Because kids make great decisions and they don't make great decisions. And, you know, you have to be able to give your kids room to make mistakes. And my friends helped me and didn't judge me. They helped me give my kids room to make mistakes under my roof. And I didn't need to panic. I just, they encouraged me. And it goes a long ways. Let's let's talk about that for just a half a second. Uh, Paul said it this way. Uh, He said there are... There are many teachers, but few fathers. He would likewise have said, there are many uh, advice givers, but few mothers. And I'll give you the, I'll give you the, the passage, 1 Corinthians 4 in uh, verse 15 in the message says, uh, there are a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong, but there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. It was as Jesus helped me proclaim God's message to you that I became your father. Now, this is huge. I mean, so quiet time and time with God and you learning to hear God on your own, there's a lot of resource out there to help you with that so that you can refuel and you're gonna need to do that. And we talk a lot about it here. 
this is a trickier one, but it, it has to do with, and I, sometimes the word spiritual mother, because it's been used so much, that can give a strange vibe. Don't let it. You can call it whatever you want to, a midwife. But this fathering or mothering role and, and praying that God would bring that person into your life, I, I mean, Paul's message is still the truth. To find somebody that, that wants to just give you advice, you can, that's a dime a dozen, and hallelujah, advice is good. Uh, friends and peers that want to tell you, or you know, everybody loves to give advice. I mean, who doesn't? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. This is a far more different role in your life. This is somebody that's got some gray hair, that's a little older, that's been uh, up the road a little from you. And I'll tell you, and for moms, dads would be the same, uh, but for moms, you need somebody that's not fighting, that's not competing with you, that's not looking for the same affirmation. Uh, uh, there are certainly, uh, some of you might be thinking, shouldn't that be my earthly mother? I, I would say that would be the exception. And here's why. The scripture says a prophet is not without honor except for two places, uh, hometown and family. What does that mean? That means it's difficult for your family, your blood relatives, to actually get it far enough back from what they saw you when you were you know, messing up your room and uh, you know, doing God knows what. They have a hard time separating you from being the boy that grew up playing basketball in Nazareth and now you say you're the savior. They have, it's just very difficult for a mother, a blood mother. And sometimes your moms, I mean, moms are just human too. Sometimes they're broken and still trying to fight you for the affirmation available. And they're not necessarily in a healthy place to be able to, to give you advice. It's so hard. To, this is delicate, so I'm being very delicate with it. Uh, but you, you need somebody that is, that is healthy, that's not competing with you, that actually is, is wanting to help demonstrate how to live, but doesn't need anything back. In, in the scripture, the Bible, there's a, there's a governmental role actually for the church. And again, don't freak out about this word, but it's called apostle. Uh, Ephesians says, Jesus gave some for the church to function. He gave some as apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, did I miss something? Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Yeah, fivefold ministry. And the word apostle, it, it can be a weird word again because of context, but all it means is it's a fathering, it's somebody that can father you that has no other agenda but to help call out of you what's in you. Uh, you don't need any help looking to see what you don't have and what's wrong with you. All of us do that. But I'll tell you the hardest thing that any of us see is what we are. When the angel approached Gideon, he said, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, I, I don't see it. You know, Moses, you're a deliverer. I don't see it. Uh, honestly, this, call it apostolic, call it midwife, call it whatever, but this role, they're very, very, I think it's a precious thing to find, but I think this is something that we as a church ought to get to work on. And uh, the word mentors, it's a good word, but again, I like the fathering, mothering thing, and all of you that are, that are young mothers, to find somebody that isn't competing with you, that, that you could admire and that brings good godly wisdom, I think this is a powerful, powerful thing, and uh, I would encourage you to begin to pray 
Because if you can see somebody modeling it, we had Frank and Sandra Young, they never gave us counsel one day in our life. They they never said, hey, we wanna sit down and have a serious biblical talk. They just sort of took us in and we watched how they related to each other, how they related to their kids. Man, they just had something we just hadn't had enough years or mileage on us to, to, to get to. And it helped us immensely. So anyway, I hope, I hope you're picking this up. This is, there's lots of places to get some help, but pray for this one. Go ahead. I, I think a way to spot that as well is that with a mother, I know I feel now I have adult conversations with Tyler, and it's, I'm amazed at his wisdom, amazed at the things he knows, and I'm just have so much respect for he, for Brady, just this in-depth, deep well inside of him. At 23 years old, I'm going, my kids are further, faster, and quicker than I ever was. And the way I spotted a mothering role in my life, it's different than a mentor. I always felt like, I'm not trying to pick the word apart, but I had mentors who said, I will help you, I will teach you everything I know up to this level. You can't go past me, but I'll teach you to hear. And a mother's spirit and a mother's heart wants more for their children quicker, faster, and with less hurdles and better than they ever had it. And I know that's, good. that's what Sandra, you know, I'm just picking her, my sister's the same way, who wants me to go quicker, further, better, faster, with least amount of difficulty as possible. She's not saying, you're doing great, but stay here. You know, you can't pass me. It's a non-competitive thing. Yeah. Like you're saying with women, it's very, or with humanity, I'll say, go. not just women. It's humanity, a competitive thing. Like you've had Tom Lane and men yeah. in your life, Orlando pastor who came along and just have loved you. And I think love is the key with not wanting anything back. And I think we're at that stage with our kids too because adult parenting is so much harder, but I'm seeing my kids and I think, you have so much more to bring to the table at 23, 27, and 30 than I did. And I'm thrilled to see it. And so do their wives. They're so bright and they know so much. Yeah. More than we did, I feel like, at their age. Let's dive into this real quick because I, this I'm, is where we're at. Yeah, we're at a stage now, and uh, we'll 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 start to circle the airport here and bring this thing down. Uh, but um, we are now parenting adults, and I say parenting. We'll have to define that. So, uh, and just as unprepared as we felt when we brought this little ball of precious, yeah, this little precious thing. Uh, we, we were as lost when, when our kids started transitioning from teenagers into adulthood. Uh, I think that's a, that's a messy move no matter how you do it. It's just messy. And, uh, and when parents start to relook at how they view their children and now they're moving and wanting to be related to as an adult and they deserve to be, so, yes, that's where we need to head, but that transition, when we went through it, I've never seen Stacy as mom more hurt than when we started you know, figuring out, wait a minute, our sons are growing into men, and they begin to set boundaries. Let me play with something for just a second, just to give us some language to work with. Um, 
when, when your kids and my kids, when they're, when they're small, the two words I wanna work with are responsibility and authority. Uh, you are fully responsible for that child. Feed them, clothe them, you know, if they, they do wrong, you can make them, you're responsible and you've got full authority over them. You can make them do what you're responsible to do. They can have an attitude or whatever, but you, you, can, you can wait them out or starve them out. Uh, <laughs> they, they, the, the kids then begin to grow and we start to get into these preteen stages and it happens a little quicker than we would like to admit, but nine, 10, 11, 12, you're still fully responsible for them, legally and in every other way, but they begin to, to want to fight for a little authority and they start to figure it out. Before we did. Well, yes. They realize it sooner than we do because we're still trying to be the rule keeper. Well, and, and the, the truth is, you can't make them not have a bad attitude. They, they have some just innate authority to do that, yet you're still fully responsible. And starting from, and I don't want to give you a date because some kids get all the way through the 16s and 17s and some do just beautiful and I turn on you when they're 40. So, look, I don't know when to plan it. Uh, I'm just telling you, there's a stage when you start to get into the teens now where you're still fully responsible, but now the child begins to fight you for authority. You give them a little responsibility, but the, but the truth of the matter is, you're still paying for everything. If, if they do something, you're gonna be the one interfacing with that police officer. Um, you're gonna be bailing them out of jail, you know what I'm saying, uh, depending on what they do. So, uh, I, I, well, I got a story, I can't tell it, but. See me. Please don't tell uh, that story. <laughs> oh man, yeah, we, we, we had to run for our money, I'm just gonna say that. Uh, so, was, and dad had to interface, that's, that's all I'll say. Uh, so, in the teenage years, in the teenage years, they start fighting you for authority and you're still, but you're still fully responsible. And honestly, you can take the car away. You can shut the phone down. You know, they want to, to have authority over their phone, but they still, they still want you to be responsible and pay the bill. You know what I'm saying? There, there then comes though, and we watched it with our sons when they hit 18, 19, 20, 21. They begin to, and, and I, 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 could, I sort of understood it because I'm a, I'm a man and, I, and I, was, I was a young man. I understood, and all the guys in here, and ladies probably too, I just know it from a man's perspective. There's a moment at 19, 20, 18, 21, whatever, kids grow up slower today than they used to. Not a, that's not a cut, it's just a truth. But at some point, that feeling of, man, I've got to be responsible for my life and make something of myself. The weight of that falls on a young man. And he starts realizing and feeling insulted for any responsibility he doesn't, you know, he feels guilty for not taking on responsibility, but he wants full authority. And you as a parent, we as parents, we were thinking, well, we're still paying the college bills and we still are doing the insurance for the car. We still had some responsibility, but the boys were reaching ages and all of them did it differently. All of them did it but they all did it differently. And here's, here's what they did. They began to set boundaries for us. I, I know, I know, I know, just hang on, take a deep breath. 
Some of you are going, it's never going to happen in my life. They put us in time out. It's weird. Oh, yes. The roles change. Well, we didn't see it coming. They, 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 didn't, they didn't know what they were doing. They were trying to become men. And you know what? That's what God designed them to do. And our job was to raise them to take responsibility for their life and use authority well. Authority, authority is what, how you grow up, how you spend authority. There's folks that are 40 and 50 that haven't grown up because they can't take responsibility and they don't know how to spend authority. Paul said, when I was a child, I acted like a child, thought like a child. And somebody else was a tutor and a guardian over me, the Galatians 5 thing. But when I became a man, I took responsibility and I learned how to spend authority and when not to spend it. That's what growing up is. An 18-year-old doesn't know how to do that, but he knows he's supposed to. And when all you've parented is we're in charge and we're responsible, you don't know how to, how to let that go. And yet nature starts taking over and they start pulling away from you. When that pulling away, I hope this is making sense. When they started that pulling away, I, I somewhat understood. I could tell what was going on. I remember it as a young man thinking, I gotta become a man and I gotta grow up and it, there was pressure. One of the things, and this, my boys did great. My sons are awesome. I, I respect them as men, godly men. They're still going through some of this transition. But when it first all started, there was a sense of, who do you think you are? And you're not gonna talk to us that way and we'll set the boundaries around here. And it took a little getting used to going through that transition and figuring out what our role was. And this one, it was crushing. It was hard to watch. And, and she was he looking- got laid in the closet floor. If I think about it, I'll cry. And yeah. cried like a baby. I couldn't believe it. And Josh McDowell has such a great uh, teaching on this. And in one of his books, he says that, you know, your role in your kid's life, this is one opinion, is it's about rules and guidelines really up until about age 12 for him. And after that, it becomes a relational, just like with God. I mean, it mirrors with God so well to say, when you're first saved, you feel very rules, regulation, very legalistic, just like we were with our kids. But as they grow older, they obey and do things out of a love for you relationally. And we had a hard time, I had a hard time, I'll speak for me, uh, with transitioning from rule and regulation to we're going to love each other relationally and you're going to obey me in your teens, so to speak, or, or abide by our wishes based on relationship with one another, mutual respect. Yeah. And that was very hard for me because I was raised very, you just do what your parents say. You don't, you know, do that, your own thing. That transition is from, uh, from responsibility and authority and, and us saying you do this and they do it and all that. The relationship then has, it has to graduate though to respect and trust like with any adult. And uh, I don't know, I'm sure there's some parents that did it more smoothly and I'm sure there's some, and by the way, let me just say to some, some of you young people that are right now under pressures and you're thinking it's not a fun Mother's Day for me because my mom won't let me blah, blah, blah and all that. And I was a teenager too, I remember all that. But as you're getting older, you need to understand um, just like your parents are going through some changes trying to understand how to trust you, you need to work to, to earn it. Uh, you need to do some things, and it looks like this. Take responsibility. Shut the door. Empty the trash. 
pick it up. Is, is, that, is that helping? I mean, you know, wash the car. Put fuel in it. Uh, that's what take responsibility looks like. For your dad to say do it and you do it, it's one thing. You start to earn trust. You earn it. Nobody gives you that. So speaking now a little bit as a, I am a daddy, I'll just say, speaking as a dad, parents are, are working to, to give you some room to grow. Do your part. I think, I think just to say from mom's point, I think that it, um, I was getting a little tough. I'm sorry. Well, I know. Soften it a little, up. Calm down. And our boys are actually very, people tell us they're very wonderful and they are. No, they are. So, our boys I are know. wonderful. I know. It's okay. It is. It'll be dad's day soon. And you'll get to do, talk about the boys. But I think it was um, very difficult transition for them as well. I do feel bad for kids because I think the older you get as adults, like our children, they start seeing their parents as human beings and not you start seeing flaws and you start seeing weaknesses in your parents that I guess when you were younger, you didn't. And you start realizing, my goodness, my parents are trying to still figure it out as well. And that's a real uh, rude awakening, I think, for the parent and for the child. But um, a lot of young mothers and just young women who aren't even mothers yet, I see in this generation and in mine um, as well, and my mother's, because we talked about this this week, you know, spending time grieving the mother you felt like you should have had or that you deserve to have or that should have been different. We have a generation of motherless women, a generation of motherless men who, because of situations like single motherhood is such a, you know, so rampant in our society that the mothers are busy, you know, trying to survive. And it's been very difficult for kids to forgive their parents for just not being the mother they dreamed of or the mother they felt like they deserved. And just realizing the humanity of your mother is very difficult. When I my mother tells me about her childhood, I can't hardly listen to it. It's very difficult for me. I cry a lot because I feel so sorry. I feel sad for my mother that she lost out on a lot as a young woman. And I think as children need to have grace, we need to have grace for our children, grace for ourselves, and just allow Christ to take you by the hand and say, get up, forgive, move on, love your mother, love your children. Good. It's good. So, I'm going to just run some, some little pieces of advice. You might just want to write it down, just chalk this down. If, if you're in the spot of letting some adult children go, and we probably need to spend, this would be worth a, a, a message or a week of messages, honestly, uh, uh, of On this. Book. But uh, Stacy mentioned the word grieve. And uh, I, I, would, I will tell you, uh, moms, dads, when your kids start to move out of childhood into adulthood, it's gonna feel very insulting and you're gonna to try to, it's just gonna be nat- natural to try to cling to the, to, to the role you had of being in charge. That role is over. You're not in charge. And it's an awful thing to accept. But the way your kids once needed you, they don't need you like that anymore. And accepting that you're not needed at the level that you've spent 18, 19 years being needed, and that's part of your identity, it's a death. I mean, it's, it is real pain. 
And my encouragement would be grieve. Grieve. Something has genuinely gone that you're not going to ever get back. But don't resent it because it's a beautiful new season God has for your children and for you. Yeah. And it really is. Yeah. Uh, So... So no, it's painful, except you're not as needed as you once were. It's gonna be, you, you are needed, but just very different. Remember, grandkids are coming. Um, the, the second thing uh, that I would say is encourage, but don't intrude. When I saw my sons begin to set their boundaries, um, how can I say, you know, uh, we're, we're advice givers as parents. Um, and there's a point where you get to give all the advice you want. You give all the direction. But if you can recall, and you don't have to think more, you, you all have a friend who doesn't read boundaries well. You, you're, you're just, you just said it to your wife who they are. So you understand? And that person gives advice that you didn't ask for, and it insults the fire out of you. You know who I'm talking about. Um, that's, what you're, that's what, when your kids begin to grow and, and you give them advice and they bite your head off and you don't see them for days, and you wonder, what happened? Here's what your happened. Your motive is to help. Yeah. And they don't need your help. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they, 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 they really feel insulted, and you, you think, well, they should change. Oh, boy. Uh, that's what it feels like. That isn't going to happen. Uh, what's got to happen? And it comes out of your hide. They're starting to set boundaries as an adult. And just like you have to read boundaries with all the people around you, there's people that, that you would like to advise that haven't invited you in, and wisdom says this. Don't, right? This isn't about doing it right or wrong. It's about being wise or wiser or unwise. Those are your buckets. Wise, is it wise? Is it, is it wiser to just be quiet? And, and here's what you need to know. Most of the time, there's a point where if they don't invite you to advise them, you're gonna insult them. Remember this with your adult children. You're playing the long game. You're playing for, for years now. If you still play like you're, you're dealing with a, a 10-year-old, a 10-year-old, you gotta win that battle right now and you don't care what they think because they got to come back tomorrow to eat. If you try to play that, and I, it's not the same playing, if you parent the same way and it's all about you winning the current argument, you might win. But now you're not trying to control that person, you're trying to build trust with them. And if you don't respect their boundary but you win the argument, but you kick over the trust bucket, it takes years to build a trust bucket up. It takes a day to kick it over and have to start all over. Think long, okay? So encourage them, but don't intrude. I know this is so hard. It's hard to take, but respect the boundaries. Your, your grown sons and daughters, respect those boundaries. It'll pay off later and pray for God to bring advisors that they might need, all right? Uh, let me run these real quick and our, our worship team, you guys can get ready. Um, care, care, but don't enable dependency. Okay, and this has to do with your money. It's always a trick. It's always a, it's always a wrestling match to know when do I rescue, okay? Or when do I let the pressure of whatever they're under, even though I could solve it, 
When do I let that pressure bring out of them what needs to be brought out of them? Um, Stacy and I, for our sons now, we've watched all three of them go through things and we've helped them financially, we've helped them in different situations, uh, we've, we've rescued them, we've insulated them from pains in different situations. Again, I don't, I, don't, I don't say we did it right or we did it wrong. There were times where it was wise. There were times where it was unwise. There was times when it was wiser. Those are your buckets, really. It, it, when is it best? But I remember we were praying one morning together and uh, we pray very early in the morning for our kids. And I was praying in a situation one of my sons was in. I was gonna start to pray, Lord, and I was gonna tell God you know, what to do like all of us do. You know, give him this much money and take him out of that situation and do this. But before I could start to pray for his rescue, it's just like we were arrested and God, and I just, a different prayer came out of my mouth and here's what I prayed. Lord, my son is under tremendous pressure and it's killing us to watch it. For our sakes, I'd like to solve it. To get us out from the pressure of having to watch it, I just wanna write a check and fix it but it was just as clear in my mind that pressure is producing something that us rescuing can't produce. And what my son is gonna need later that he wished he had that I can't give him and advice can't give him and a book can't give him, it comes in pressure. That's how a man's made, that's how a woman, that's how you grow up. And when we rescue too often to save ourselves from the pain of watching them under pressure, we're actually doing them a disservice. So. And, there, and I'm, again, there isn't a right or a wrong way to do this. Every situation, we, we've got our, our, our son and daughter are living with us right now because of this whole COVID-19 thing. And uh, another son's been living with us for a while. Right, wrong, it didn't go in a right and wrong box. It's wise, wise, or unwise. We're trying to make decisions to try to help them. I'll just tell you, you're gonna be tempted to, to insulate. And I'm just encouraging you. Uh, just be very wise, pray and be very wise. The pressure you're having to suffer through as they are under pressure, it could be getting them something better than you writing a check. So let me, I'll just leave it at that. And uh, again, please be encouraged by that. And We uh, love having them. Oh, we do. And I, we'd give them a billion dollars. We, we, we love blessing our kids. And right now it's a wise time to be doing it because of this is a crazy situation we're in. Uh, so, and we know they're watching. We love y'all. Um, lastly, my last piece of advice uh, for this adult kid thing, and this is what we're learning. Um, it's a new season for you as well. So without guilt, take care of yourself. Take care, you're grieving, there's gonna be a pain there. And, uh, but take care of yourself emotionally, spiritually, um, guilt-free, Stacy and I, we man, we we man, we start taking all kinds of little vacations and things by ourselves and spending money differently for ourselves and and uh, I want you to know I personally don't feel any guilt about it. I'm having a wonderful time, but I don't mean that against my kids. My sons are growing up and taking charge of their lives, and uh, and you need to know you, you don't need to feel grievous for ten years after they leave and start to do that. And and I know some moms do and I'm not picking on you, I, I'm trying to encourage you. It's a new season, and uh, listen, what God's called you to do in this season, he's graced you to do. And it might be right now, just let go. Just let go, and grieve it. Let them go, and uh, let them be under pressure. Go ahead, Mama. I would say, you know, let go 
for sure of their hand, but grab the hand of the Lord because they're, the best way we could wrap this up really with the best advice, I think, even though we're not trying to tell everybody just experiences that we've had, but still is going back to the word. Yeah. Uh, for I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, mom, through every season, through toddlers, through teens, which is a wonderful time. I loved the teen years with my kids, but toddlers, teens, and adults, God wanted me to take his hand the whole time. That's good. And I was so busy trying to do it right that that became second choice instead of first choice when it's really what I needed all along. And the Lord your God will hold your right hand saying to you, fear not because I will help you. And I'm telling you, God has taken my hand. He's healed so many things in our hearts. He's healing our family. He's healing our children, our parents, you know, just everywhere because we've turned to the Lord and asked him, well, we've accepted his invitation of his hand. His hand is willing. His presence is willing. We have to identify it, accept it, and allow it to move in our life. And I'm watching God move in the lives of my children. I'm watching him move in our lives. And it's fun for me to watch women younger than me with their children, yeah. enjoying their children more than I did because I wanted we were uptight. To, we were very uptight parents. I will just say it. We were very uptight. But God was so gracious, and he's yeah. been so gracious because he's given us kids better than we could have raised on our own yeah. because God was still involved. He loved them. He helped them. And in spite of me, I tell people it's not a woe is me, but it's in spite of me, God gave us beautiful men, beautiful daughter-in-laws that he's raising up and Real quick, one last thing. Yeah. Um, I thought early on that success with children, mothering, was to raise many me's. Three little kids that thought the way I thought, did things the way I did, had the same moral boundaries on the gray areas, things that I thought were very black and white. Biblically were not black and white. They were gray. They were just conviction things. And I thought that that gave me success as a mother for my kids to think, do, and act exactly how I did. But the Lord has shown me over the years that really, in a lot of ways, I still was the girl in Mark 5, that that part of me was dead. I hadn't let God come in his presence and awaken that and let him take me and say, get up, Stacy, you're healed. Get up, you can go on. And God helped, has helped my children forgive me for things. He's helped me forgive them for things. And he's just so enormously blessed us. And I will tell you that thanksgiving, thanking and acknowledging God for small things will heal your soul. It will heal your life. It will heal your children. You must walk away with this knowing God wants to take you by the hand. He wants to tell you, arise, arise, little girl. It's gonna be okay. And just because it's hard, it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. You're doing it right, mama. Just lean on God. Father, we love and honor you, God, and we bless these mothers right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God, for the way that you have, you, it is an expression of Jesus 
to give selflessly knowing you're never gonna get back what you put into it. You're never gonna receive the thanks and the applause that you put into it, and it's supposed to be that way. That's the Christ-likeness of loving and giving and sacrificing. And so, Lord, I thank you, God, for the spirit of motherhood and the way it represents you. And I bless all of these moms that are carrying it so courageously. And we just infuse, we speak an infusion of strength and courage and joy and success by your definition in the name of Jesus. And bless all of these precious children, from the young ones to the teens to the adults, in the name of Jesus, we speak the blessing and the favor of God on you. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless this congregation and bless this great Mother's Day in Jesus' name. God bless you. Amen. Moms. Amen. Thank you all. Sing this together. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.
simply pray these words. Will you receive them this morning? Sing it together. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you in a thousand generations to your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you in a thousand generations to your family and your children and their children
what an incredible message from our senior pastor, Pastor Randy. We want to encourage you to share this message with your friends and family by clicking the share button right below this video. If it's your first time joining us, we're so glad that you're here. We'd love for you to go to our website and click the connect button there at the top of the page. Fill that out with as much or as little information as you'd like. And someone from our team will reach out to see how we can walk through life with you. If you need prayer or if you need help of any kind, you can text I need help to 31996. And somebody from our care team will reach out soon to see how we can help you. If you gave your life to the Lord today, we want to say that is the best decision that you could make. We are so excited and we would love to know. You can text I said yes to 31996. We'd love to send you a gift to help you get started on this journey with Christ. Well, again, we're so glad that you've joined us here at The Crossing Online. We'll see you soon.